0: Just a few houses down from the street from me, uh, my neighbor, a few years back, transformed his garage into a glorious temple uh, to the Maple Leafs. A shrine, really. Wonderful epoxy flooring on which is carefully laid a Maple Leaf rug, walls adorned with Maple Leaf paraphernalia, pictures and jerseys of famous players, comfortable seating and an awesome large screen TV with sound to make you feel like you're right there in the middle of the game. Problem is, I'm old enough to remember when the Leafs last won the Stanley Cup. And unless you know when that was, I'm not telling you, that would age me too much. What I did do though, was check out the odds that the Leafs would win the Cup this year. And to translate that into a way that uh, most of us can understand, the Leafs have a 1 in 100 chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year, yes. That means guys like Jack Campbell and Letnin, and Alexander Kerfoot have about a 1 in 100 chance of getting the title Stanley Cup winner. I don't think I'll share that stat with my neighbour down the street. He was born well after the Leafs last won the Cup. So yeah, a 1 in 100 chance to reclaim the title Stanley Cup winners. Over the years, the Leafs have had this, what can I call it, a deficiency gap when it comes to their performance and getting to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, right? One of the values in the home I grew up in was education. I I come from good blue-collar Irish Catholic stock where my father was an electronics technician and my mom was a nurse. My my, uh, dad did not have much in the way of formal education beyond high school. And my mom, she had a two-year nursing diploma, which I think is awesome. But my parents believed that the way to really become a somebody was to go to university and to pursue a professional degree. The pressure was always on me to achieve in school. Nothing in my parents' mind was more important. Nothing. I did okay, but I was not phenomenal. I would rarely make the honor roll, but would skim just under it. Sometimes I would be an honors student, and my parents would be so very proud, but most often I would just be close but not there. By the standards of my parents uh, that they had set up, I had this deficiency gap when it came to school, and when that gap didn't disappear, I just knew that I was falling short. I did make it to university. I'm the first in my family on my mom's side and the second on my dad's side, but my uncle, who beat me to university, did so late in life, so my parents didn't think he counted. So while I I didn't get the title honor student, I did eventually get the title university grad, and my parents, they proudly gave me the title of first university grad in the family. It was almost true. I'll take it. Excelling in sports, excelling in school, and things like that. These are places where you can earn a title by doing a lot of hard work. Getting that starting position on a sports team takes a lot of dedication, commitment, and hard work. But then some of you remember the moments when you just couldn't win the big game. You buckled under the pressure, and everyone wonders if you'll ever be able to do it. There was this deficiency gap. And you take on the title loser. You, you don't say it loudly, but you say it, you know, quietly to yourself. It's a title you give to yourself, or worse, someone else gives it to you. Same deal for those of us who just couldn't get it, say, in math class. You ever freeze in the middle of an algebra test? You couldn't perform and you failed that class or barely made it through? I dropped that class in university when I realized there was no chance that I could pass. It was hard on my parents when I didn't perform well on those exams, when my deficiency gap would show up. My my parents would never want to call me a, a loser, but many of their hopes and dreams were tied up to me being not just a university grad, but that I might be an engineer solving major problems in places like the oil sands. My father always felt that he was a little less than because he never got an engineering degree. My journey from university to seminary where I studied to be a pastor took a bit of adjusting on the part of my parents. It wasn't quite what they had in mind, but they pulled through okay, and yeah, they were eventually okay with that. So much so, my dad would set up pastoral care appointments for me when I was visiting him between uh, some of his neighbors and me, thinking uh, that some of them on his street could use a little dose of Jesus or something. It was as I was studying to become a pastor that I met this girl at a Christian summer camp. I fell head over heels in love with her. It it took three years for me to pop the question and the answer was an instantaneous yes, okay. We did go ring shopping before that, so it wasn't a total surprise. And, And four months later, I had the title husband which was really good because at that point, as a single youth pastor, I was living off of Raman and KFC in a really sketchy apartment building just north of Toronto. I mean, if there was a shooting in the area, it happened in my building every time. Jane had the better paying job, the nicer car, the nicer apartment. I was moving up in the world, but really, I had no business being given the title husband. There was nothing I'd done to deserve it or earn it or do it. We didn't overly rush into having kids and we weren't that slow either. Just a year or so after getting married, Jane gave me the word that she was pregnant. And one of my friends went, congratulations, dad. And I went, hey, don't go, don't go too quick on that dad title. I, I, I want to ease into that thought. And nine months later, this beautiful girl is being handed to me by the nurse, there you go, dad. I, I really didn't have a clue how to be a dad. The title dad was not something that I had earned. Sure, I did manage to get my wife pregnant. I, I knew how to do that, but this new title dad, it, it just kind of came suddenly. In contrast, I did study for and earn the title pastor, and, and four years later, the title reverend. As most of you know, I-, I don't hang on tightly to those titles. I prefer if you call me Doug rather than pastor or reverend. But they are titles I have earned and I even have certificates that say I've earned those titles. Here's the thing about titles. There are titles that you can claim that you never earned, that you don't deserve. I mean, there's nothing you've done to really deserve the title. But you spend the rest of your life with titles like husband, father, wife, mother, partner, son, daughter. Here's the thing about titles. Some of us have grown up in environments like I did that tell us that we've got to earn the title by working our tails off. Uh, we, we, we deserve it, that the only way we can get to the top is just by busting it, killing it, and doing the best we can. But I've been thinking, I mean, how does that work when it comes to faith and spirituality? I mean, every one of us watching this service, we're not perfect, are we? There are things in our lives, there are things we've done uh, that have created this deficiency gap. There's this sense of pain and shame and anxiety and disappointment. We've all got it. And and it's not just to ourselves. There's stuff we've done to others. Neglect, uh, abandonment, the the lies we've told, the uh, hurt we've caused, the anger we've expressed. Or or maybe our, our addictions are just holding our lives back. And some of us, if you're like me, the the first tendency, uh, the way we tend to operate is, ah, I just got to work harder at it and then I'll I'll deserve that better title, that better life. I'll I'll, I'll make myself good enough. I'll try harder and harder and harder. And and what happens? You start to feel like you're drowning. You, You feel like you're in quicksand and can't quite pull yourself out. Any of you identify with any of this? Now, we're in this uh, series of messages called The Supernatural Normal. Today is our last day in this series. We've been hanging around the first uh, nine chapters of Acts written by the Apostle Luke all about the start of the church. In two weeks, we'll move into another part of Acts in a new series called The Wild Goose all about the wildness of the Holy Spirit, uh, a series you're going to have to hang on for this one. Next week is Valentine's Day, and Luke is going to teach you all about love and sex. Actually, I don't have a clue what Lucas is going to talk about, just that he gets to speak on Valentine's Day. So you you might pray for me, Adrian, on that one. But today, I, I want to go back to a story in Acts 9 and talk about what God wants to do in our lives and the title that he wants to give us. Acts chapter 9, where this Christian leader, this believer by the name of Ananias, has a meeting with this guy named Saul. Saul was a terrorist, a murderer. He was going through the region of what we now call Israel, Palestine, Jordan, and Syria to different churches and synagogues. And he would pull people out of them if they were followers of Jesus. He was beating them, imprisoning them, shackling them, and in many cases, sending them off to their deaths. Saul was fueled by anger, and all he wanted to do was make sure that this movement of Jesus came to an end. He's walking along this road to Damascus in what is now Syria, and he has this incredible encounter with God where he's blinded by God. The Apostle Luke writes, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And as I told this story a couple of weeks ago, Saul ends up downtown Damascus in a room where he just doesn't eat for three days. He he doesn't drink for three days. He remains blind. He's just sitting there. And I can only imagine that his mind is spinning about how much damage he'd done to God's people and how he committed his life to stopping what God was actually doing. And all he could see was this deficiency, this gap in his life. I imagine he's overtaken with shame as he's saying, Oh man, I can't do anything right. I mean, what good am I? And God sends this guy to Saul by the name of Ananias. Ananias He's praying and, and he hears God in the midst of prayer and he wonders if he's actually hearing God right or if it's something else. And, but he's pretty sure he's God and he goes anyways. You see, God speaks to Ananias and it's not comfortable. It's kind of risky. It's, it's against the faith that Ananias had been raised in, but he goes. You, you might have the same kind of experience with God. God, I think I'm hearing you. Is that really you? You really want me to do that for that guy at work? Ananias goes anyways. And later on in the book of Acts, the Apostle Luke records Saul telling the story of his conversion from being a persecutor of Christians to a follower of Jesus himself. And Saul, in telling the story, says, he, Ananias, stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. Brother Saul, did you catch that title? Now, most of us just get caught up with the miracle of Saul getting his sight back, but something much bigger is happening. You've got to imagine Saul just sitting there, can't see a thing, and Ananias comes up to him and gives him a a title, a title that Saul does not deserve, a, a title that Saul has not earned because of what he's done. And yet Ananias calls him, get this, brother, Part of the family, the church. Saul, you are now a brother of mine. You are my Christian brother. You are part of the family of Jesus who you used to persecute. How powerful is that? This is quite the title. Really think about it from being a persecutor, a a killer of Christians, to being a brother in the Christian family. And Ananias takes it even further where Ananias tells Saul, and you will be God's witnesses to all people of what you've heard and seen. Saul is not only given a new title, but God wants to use him powerfully in the lives of other people all over the world. And again, it's not because Saul earned his title or earned his calling. He did absolutely nothing to deserve the grace that God was extending to him. But that title changed the whole course of his life. And today we are impacted by the new title that God gave to Saul. So you have Saul in Damascus sitting, wrestling, And I imagine wondering, what's going to happen to me? Who am I now? And then this awesome thing happened. I think it's incredibly awesome. And Ananias looks at Saul and asks him one brilliant question. He looks at him after he says this, after he gives him the title brother, as he gives him the assignment, you're you're going to be a witness to all this. Um, Ananias then goes, what are you waiting for? This is good. As Saul is saying to himself, really, am I this? Am I this? Am I truly a brother of these Christians? Am I truly a witness to all this? Am I this? Am I really this? And Ananias is like, seriously, dude? What are you waiting for? It's right before you claim your title. What are you waiting for? By the way, have you ever had a friend in your life, uh, some other person who believed in you more than you actually believed in yourself? That's Ananias. Ananias. Saul, you're a brother. You're a witness to the ends of the earth. You're a God chosen instrument. Claim your title. Spend the rest of your life leaning into and living the title that God has given you. I was 16 years of age, a, a counselor in training at a, a Christian camp in Muskoka called Camp Minioe. The director of the, Christian in, uh, the counselor in training program took me aside and spoke to me and said, Doug, I've been watching you. You are a teacher you are a leader. I've been teaching in schools and leading departments for years now, and I've never seen anyone with the gift for teaching and making a difference through teaching like you have. I mean, those words from that leader to me were powerful. I'll never forget them. God used them to speak to me, to give me a title I didn't deserve, teacher, leader. Wow. Ananias said, what are you waiting for? I love that. Ananias has seen a vision for what Saul's life can be. uh, And he's going, get up. It's time for you to rise up and see this plan that God has for you. It's time for you to claim the title that God has for you. Your father, God, believes in you. He wants to do something for you. But it can't happen if you're just sitting around living controlled by your past. In other words, the supernatural normal where we personally experience the power of Jesus to live and love like him and and then make a difference in this world. The supernatural normal can't happen if you remain controlled by the mess of your past. Here's what I think. No, no, let me state this a little more strongly. Here's what I know. Some of you are in the same place as Saul right now. And I just wanna ask you, what are you waiting for? So, So you let some stuff happen. So you made some decisions. So you've harmed yourself and harmed other people. Are you really going to let that be the story of your future when God has so much else for you? The most beautiful thing is that God wants every one of us to get up, rise up, and claim the title he has for us. You are a daughter of Christ. You are a son of Jesus. You are a child a beloved child of God Most High. Will you rise up and claim the title that God has for you? Okay. We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer, a special time of prayer emphasis here at Fort City. Let me tell you where prayer really comes alive. It's when you understand that you are indeed a child of God who is crazy in love with you, who wants to talk with you and lead you and empower you to live and love like Jesus, who wants to use you like he did, Ananias. Friends, this is where the supernatural becomes normal. This is where your life is transformed, healed, made whole, and totally changes direction. This is where your deficiency gap gets eliminated. This is where you become a powerful instrument in the hands of our God. But you've got to understand first that you are a child of God, God, most high, is crazy in love with you. And hey, God is not trying to rah-rah and inspire and motivate Saul. God, I think interestingly, is often a God of props. You see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He he wants to give us tangible reminders that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away, behold, the new has come, and that you are now a son or daughter of God. and to to symbolize that particular truth, the old is gone, the new has come, and including your new title, that you are a child of God. Ananias tells Saul, in order to understand that he says, get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Baptism is a powerful symbol. Really, it's, it's more than a symbol. It is a sacred act where we publicly declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have a new title. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am God's beloved child, and he is my father. It's where I declare that I am no longer bound by my past. My past is gone, forgiven. And then washed away by the waters of baptism, I rise up out of the waters as a new person, forgiven. Baptism is where you put a stake in the ground as you publicly declare that you are part of the family of God, that you are an heir of the promises of God, that the creator of this universe is your heavenly father and loves you with a perfect love beyond your imagination. And with baptism, you declare that you will follow Jesus and seek to experience his ongoing power to transform your life now and forever forever where he's at work even now as you live, eliminating your deficiency gap. Can I ask you a personal question? Have you been baptized? If not, why not? Maybe it's time for you to claim your title and say yes to baptism. And even though we're not doing large public in-person Sunday services, we can do smaller, more intimate baptisms right here in our worship auditorium. We can video it and then share it in a Sunday service. What do you think? What's holding you back? For some of you are afraid of crowds. This is a great opportunity, right, for baptism, a smaller, more intimate setting. And if God is calling you, if you sense God is speaking to you about baptism, about declaring your faith in Jesus, about claiming that title, son of God, daughter of God, for yourself, what are you waiting for? Seriously, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized. Wash your sins away, calling on Jesus' name. Would you contact us, message us, let us know that you're ready for baptism? There's one more prompt or symbol that God has for us as followers of Jesus. It's another symbol that is much more powerful than a symbol and that's communion. It's where we take bread. And we eat a small bit of bread that pictures the body of Jesus nailed to the cross as a perfect uh, sacrifice that pays for the sin that separates us from God and and, and keeps us from claiming our title, son of God, daughter of God, child of God. This is where our, our deficiency gap is eliminated. It's the cross that does that. And then we drink juice. The juice pictures the blood of Jesus that was poured out on the cross that washes us, cleanses us, sets us free from sin and bondage and addiction and all that holds us back from being who God made us to be, again, with that deficiency gap removed. That body nailed to the cross, the blood shed on the cross, God so loved us that he went to the cross for us so that we could become his sons and daughters. It is the cross where Jesus gives you the title, Child of God, and it's baptism where you receive that title personally and publicly. We're gonna close our service by participating in communion together. You'll need to have a little bread and juice available that we asked you a little earlier in the service to have ready. Let's pray where we acknowledge what Jesus did on the cross, that he makes us sons and daughters of the Most High because of the cross. Let's claim that title and then we'll celebrate the truth by, by participating in communion together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your death on the cross, for your body nailed to that tree, for your blood shed that allows me to become your child, your son, your daughter. I have done nothing to earn that title you, you did it all for me. And, and today as I, as I celebrate communion, I declare that I have chosen to follow Jesus as I continue to ask for the forgiveness of my sin. And as a child of God, I will seek to honor my father by living a life worthy of his name. And I thank you as, as your child, I can have this deep, personal, intimate relationship with my heavenly father and I commit to a relationship a a two-way relationship a conversation where i allow you lord god to speak to me through your word and by your spirit to me specifically that i might bring you honor as i follow your leading your whispers in my life as i eat bread and drink juice my prayer is take my life and use it for your purposes and glory i pray in jesus name amen